0: We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen. We are here. It is a new year. We've been here a little while. You getting used to it? 2022 treating you all right, hopefully. Uh, I I also always think about when we get new chances to start again. I'm thankful that God created it in such a way that we have new years, right? And I'm thankful that we can have uh, fresh starts. And uh, as I was thinking a lot about this fresh start, I thought, you know, there are a lot of people that I was talking with somebody at a coffee shop. I know it's Um, mind-blowing. Right? But as I was talking with them, there was these concepts where really... There hadn't been much dreaming for a couple of years, and I think everyone can understand why, right? There's, it's, it's hard to dream when everything kind of shuts down, but how do we reinvigorate that dream? How do we continue to, to believe for more and continue to build? And uh, that, That's got to start sometime, doesn't it? I think we all understand the world may never look the way it once did, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't stop turning. Right? The world's going to continue to spin, and we've got to continue to do something about it, right? And so, uh, today I want to talk to you about this concept of blueprints. If anybody's been around construction or building, um, you know, I'm talking to a friend who's building his own house down in Florida, and kind of the, the stuff that he's working and moving around walls and trying to get it just right before they actually break ground. You know what I'm talking about. You better have a good plan before you start, Right? You better know before you go, right? You better begin with the ends in mind. And so as I was thinking a lot about that, uh, I haven't necessarily uh, built a house from the ground up, but I've got friends in construction, and I understand, uh, you know, you can't build Ikea without the instructions, right? It's like, I understand just how important it is for those dowels to find the right ho- holes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it's like, oh... Uh, I understand how important it is to have the right schematics and have them in the right language. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Swedish, isn't that weird? (laughs) But what I will tell you is this. When it comes to the blueprints, you can't actually start building until those things have permits, until they've been permitted to build. And I'm not going to tell you I know everything about the process, but what I do know is if you get the process wrong, they can tell you to tear it down. And so as I begin thinking about where I want to see my life head or where I want to see my family go or, or the things, because we're all building something. We're building relationships every day. We're building careers. We're building families. We're, we're building the next generation. We're, we're building, uh, you know, the relationship that we're going to be in for the next 50 years if we said I do at the altar, right? We're all building something. But there's a blueprint to it. And it's based on the plans that you have set in place. It's based on the the laws that you have, the no-goes that you make decisions. These will be our yeses and these will be our nos. You know, as, as I think about building, I, I think about this building that we're in. And I remember when we first came here and, and it was a huge, you know, stretch of faith to think that we could come into this building, as a church as small as we were, stepping into such uh, large square footage, I would say. And I remember after walking through it, I was about 21, 22 at the time when we came into this building, I was the youth and young adult pastor here with my wife, and and I remember looking at the blueprints of this building, thinking, "Oh, this is awesome! We're, we're we'll move this wall, and we'll do this, and and we're gonna do that." And so I'm talking with uh, the the elders and the senior pastor, and talking through the what I'd like to do, and then uh, people that actually know what can be done. You know, the general contractors in the church are like, "No, you can't take that one down, or it's all gonna come down." It's like, "Oh man." And then I kind of thought in life, in our own blueprints, there are places in our world where we need extra support. There are places where we need that LBL. We need that beam to carry the extra support because this area could be a problem. The the amount of weight and the amount of pressure and the amount of stress in this area of our life, we need to have the right people, the right foundations, the right things to hold and help the accountability of it. Are you hearing me? And so I can go a hundred different ways with this, and I'm going to use all hundred today. So you've got to keep following along with me, okay? Strain the brain, okay? But what I know is that the blueprint is really, really, really important if you're going to have a structure that survives time. Time happens to us all, and we don't all get the same amounts, right? And so one of the things I like to do is look at the people that got it wrong, and go, I don't want to do that. And so today we're going to take a look and kind of deconstruct some of the people that got it wrong in the Bible and learn how to get it right. Are you following me? Um, so we're going, to start in, we're going to start in Genesis 11 together and we're going to be reading a, a, a story about the Tower of Babel. Okay? And it's really interesting. I'm going to just read it through and then we'll talk about it and pull, extract some points out of it that I believe can help you with your own plans for life. Right? At one time, All the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for who? Ourselves. With the tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us, what? Famous. And keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them, exclamation points. So normally when you hear someone say, look, they're in unity. Nothing they put their mind to do is going to be impossible for them. Normally that's a good thing, isn't it? But that exclamation point means something different to God as he's speaking to the angels, as he's speaking to the heavenly crowd. Yes? Look what he says here. He says, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. This is what the city was called. Or this is why the city was called Babel. Because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. First of all, this is the story of how we went from one people speaking one language to having different tribes and tongues all over the world. This is not just a story, it is history. That's what the Bible is for us, right? And so as we read through this, we go, whoa, okay, we all at one time sounded the same, right? But this is what's interesting to me because when I read this story, I thought, man, I thought, God, you, you want us to be in unity. Unity is where the blessing is depending on what you're doing in unity, See, what's interesting to me about this story is that God was concerned about what mankind could do united heading the wrong direction. He was so committed to keeping us for himself, he decided to divide us rather than watch us create disaster. Have you ever felt like a door was slammed in your face and it didn't feel good? Have you ever felt like opportunity that was supposed to be yours wasn't? Have you ever felt like you were doing something that just clearly this is the way it was going to be and you're finally getting your break and all of a sudden the brakes were put on? Can I tell you, sometimes God is protecting you from yourself. Sometimes God is protecting you from yourself. When I read this scripture, it's interesting to know how committed God was to his creation, and still is. It's interesting, too, because the scripture says at one time, the people of the world spoke one language. They used the same words. Can I tell you, even though we've got different dialects, the world still speaks one language. The world sounds like me, sounds like I, sounds like ourselves, sounds like pride. No matter which tongue you speak it, you can smell it. The world still speaks the same. And hopefully, the family of God speaks the same language, which is faith in him. It's, it's faith. It's building up the things of God. It's, it's, I must decrease so that he can increase, as the scripture says. Right? So as I read through this, I want to pull out five questions things, and I'm going to try and make them quick, but that's why we're going right into it. Number one, our words create our reality. Now, I understand some people go, well, I've heard that before. I've heard something similar to that before. I know you've heard that, but why do we still speak negatively about our lives? Why do we speak negatively about our situation? Why do we speak full of doubt rather than full of faith if we understand our words create our reality? Right? And I'm not telling you that, you know, I remember growing up at a time where I've seen in other places and other times where you weren't even able to be like, I'm sick. No, you're not. Don't speak that over your life. No, no, I'm really sick. I'm not going to stay sick because I know God's good and he's going to heal me and I'm going to get through this. But I'm also not going to be crazy and act like it doesn't exist. You see what I'm saying? But if all you ever do is say that you're sick, you're probably always going to be sick. Hello? Words have power, right? That's why the Bible tells us to take captive the thoughts before they become words. Right? Take captive that thing. Don't say that thing. Right? Words are rudders to the ship. They direct the direction or where you're going. Right? Uh, Direct the direction. You like that? They move you. Okay? And so Genesis, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. It was those words that got them in trouble. They said, let us come together. Let us build for ourselves. They began to be self-focused rather than purpose-driven. How often are we self-focused rather than purpose-driven? I'm going to randomly bring up questions for you that should help you through this new year, and I think it would be a great idea for you to write them down, think them, log them, go back and consider them. What am I saying while I'm planning? Because whether you realize it or not, you're sitting at the drafting board with the blueprint that you are putting together based on your words, based on your dreams, Based on your hopes and your desires, you are putting pen to paper or hopefully pencil with an eraser to paper. You've got to consider, what am I saying while I'm planning? Because I'm in the middle of my planning. I'm in the middle of my, my walking, my moving, my life. We're building right now in some ways. There are some things that we're building that we need to probably uh, take down uh, and rebuild again. There are other things that we haven't even finished the plans. We haven't, and I'm not saying you've got to have your whole life planned out, but you should have some basic directions. You know, like are, are you making something small enough where only two buys are going to work or do you need some serious beams? oh, this is perfect for me. Well, is it only ever going to be you or do you want to get married and have a family? What life are you building? What are you saying while you're planning? Yes. Another question, are my words creating a firm foundation for my future? Because the reality is they're creating a foundation. Whether it's firm or not, that's based on what your words are. You are speaking things over your life, over your situation. We've got to be careful what we speak in our own home. Like, my home, I just, I need more peace in my home. Then why don't you speak things of peace in your home rather than only talk about what the news tells you? (laughs) If you want more peace, maybe stop subscribing to all the things that you see, read, and watch. Because now you're putting it in. I'm not saying that you should just have no clue what's going on in the world. I believe we should be able to read and understand the times. You hear me? But you get to turn the spigot on and turn the spigot off. The amount of times I start to watch the news and go, "All right, I'm done." <laughs> it was only six and a half minutes today, but that was enough for me, <laughs> right? Or I don't know. But what I will tell you is this: the words we speak, they become our reality. And if you want to change your life, change your words. Number two, the works of our hands reveal our intentions. The works of our hands reveal our intentions. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. So they were talking about it, right? Their words, the, the number one was what? Our words create our reality. They were talking about making the bricks, right? It's, it's uh, let's make the bricks and harden them with fire. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. Their words became the bricks that they were building. They were talking about bricks. Then they were building bricks, okay? Now here's what's interesting. They were building bricks to build a tower, but while they're building bricks, they're not probably yet building the tower until they have enough bricks to build the tower. Sometimes, now just follow me, sometimes we say, God, I will never build that tower in my life. And God's going, then why are you building bricks right now? God, don't worry, I'll never go that far. Well, then why are the works of your hands proving the intentions that you're building? God, don't worry about that. Wife, don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. Then where are the bricks behind your back that you've been building with the works of your hands? Because they reveal our intentions. Oftentimes, people that fall, they fall because they were building the tower. But all the warning signs were there when they were building the bricks. If they had the right people in their life to say, hey, buddy, what are you doing with all those bricks? Hey, man, you realize that, like, that one, that's, like, turned from one brick a week to three bricks a week to five bricks a week. Like, what, what are we doing here? Oh, I know you say you'll never go that far, but look at the bricks. Right. Wow, the works of our hands reveal our intentions. Here's a question. What am I building? What are the habits in my life? What, what take the most time, energy, attention in my life? Because that's what I'm building. Maybe you're somebody here that's a workaholic and you work so much and you enjoy work, you enjoy being successful, but the reality is you spend too much time working and not enough time working on your family. The works of your hands reveal your intentions. What does that mean? You can tell yourself, I'm working hard to provide for my family, but if you're not providing for your family emotionally, then you're not actually providing for your family. Right? Right? You know it's funny. We oftentimes judge others very quickly. Very, very quickly based on what we see. But we only judge ourselves based on intentions that are flawed. We have an untrue scale because we know why we do what we do or we sugarcoat why we do what we do to feel better about what we do, but we're still doing it. So what am I building? Here's another question. What does the thing I'm building say about me? If that habit, if that hobby, if that thing, if that relationship could speak about you, what would it say? If it was unfiltered. So here's the thing. We oftentimes, the thing that we're building, we know in our mind or we've justified in our mind why we're building it. And we believe that God's bought our lie, but God never buys our lie. He sees through the lie. We've only lied to ourselves to think that God bought it. So if that thing could speak about us, what would it say? Well, God already knows what it would say because he already knows. So stop lying to yourself and make sure that what you're building and you're investing in is worth the future, is worth the effort, is worth the return on the investment. Hello? Number three, why we build is more important than what we build. The why behind the what. God blesses the work of our hands. That's correct. As long as what we're building is done with the right intentions and it's blessable. Oftentimes we love to take scriptures and just take them right out of context. Keep them right in our pockets. He blessed the work of my hands. Well, not if you're a drug dealer. (laughs) He'll bless the work of my hands. Well, not if you're you know, I was going to fill in the blank with any sexual immorality that you would like. Don't like it. But here's the thing, God can only bless what's blessable because he put boundaries on what's blessable because his words create fences. His words create boundaries. And as long as we're willing to live within his word, then we're blessable and he can bless the work of our hands. But he can't bless it with wrong intentions. That's why he said he loves a cheerful giver, not just I love a giver. The intentions are just as important The why is more important than the what. That doesn't mean somebody, people will say, well, Chad, I'd spend 10 years. I'm just not a cheerful giver. God doesn't intend me to give. (laughs) Keep lying to yourself. (laughs) Keep selling yourself short on the future that you'll never have because you don't trust God enough to take him at his word. We need to understand the why behind the what. Come, let's build a great city for what? ourselves with a tower that keeps that reaches into the sky this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world so first of all it was about fame it was about their own name and it was about what actually dealing with their insecurities they were so scared about being scattered without purpose let's create security and in the meantime we'll become famous and everyone around the world will say wow look what they did The intentions were wrong from the beginning, but they came out of an insecurity. Can I tell you, your insecurities will lie you to the wrong places in life. So here's a question Why am I building it? Whatever it is you're building, the relationship, the career, you fill in the blank. I don't know what you're building. You know what you're building because you're putting a lot of time, effort, and energy into it, a lot of resources. Is it even blessable or is it cursed because you use God's tithe to build it? It's not even robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's robbing God to, you fill in the blank. Listen to this. Why we build is more important than what we build. Why am I building it? Because if I can't answer this, then what am I doing? Whatever I'm doing is not worth it. It's not worth doing if I can't explain it. Why did I set out to buy a home? because I wanted to have a place in which I could raise my family. I wanted to be not a borrower, uh, but a lender, so to speak, right? I wanted to be a good steward of what God gave me. It's not easy to do it, but I understood the principles of, hey, you know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to believe God's going to bless this. But the intention wasn't just to own property. It was to have a place to grow a healthy family for the generations to come. Right? So it's, it's the why behind the what is important. Not just to say I did it, not to check it off a box. Believe you me, when the, when the boiler breaks down you go, why did I do this? Because it did, and I said that, right? But you better know the why behind the what. So why am I building it? Here's another question. Before there it is. Who gets the glory? Let's throw it out there. Who gets the glory of what I'm building? Now, let me take it from this angle. We all are very aware of ribbon cutting ceremonies, aren't we? I'm believing one day that this church will have an amazing ribbon-cutting ceremony because of the building we were able to open that has more space to reach our community and to reach and touch the world and to continue to see God do good works through us. I believe one day we will get that ribbon-cutting ceremony. But what's interesting is whenever you see it in the movie, whenever you see the politicians outside dressed dressed to the nines in this honorable ceremony, there's this one moment where somebody, the most honorable, gets to cut the ribbon. Who gets the glory? Who's cutting the ribbon at your ceremony when what you've built is accomplished? Is it God? Was it for God? Was it for your pride? Is your pride going to be the one that's actually cutting the ribbon? And I ask this because... You know, at the end of a, a, a game, a basketball game, at the end of a, any sporting event, at the end of anything, maybe a Emmys, and someone comes up and receives their award, there's a lot of people that give them slack for saying, hey, I want to thank Jesus Christ for what I've done. No, they just understood who they were giving the scissors to. They had a moment realizing, clearly I've made it, and I'm going to make sure who gets the scissors at this ceremony. So who gets the glory when your project is completed? And you've got to answer that question. Here's another question. Would those closest to me be able to verbalize my why behind my what's? It's interesting when I think of the life of Jesus. Jesus had his 12 disciples. He had three of them were even closer, and they came with him to the Garden of Gethsemane the, day that, uh, the night that he was, uh, you know, sweating blood and, and knowing what he was going to have to do going to the cross, right? And so what's interesting to me, though, is they didn't always get it right verbalizing what God was about because sometimes they're walking down the road talking about who's going to be the greatest among them. I'd say they were missing what God was about in the moment. Jesus is like, hey guys, hello. Let me remind you what I'm about so that you will know. But what's interesting to me is after Jesus ascends to the Father and we start to see the church living out the purpose of the church in the book of Acts with Jesus gone, all of a sudden they have a voice and they remember and they now know how to verbalize what Jesus was about. You see Peter stand up and he's like, no, they're not all drunk. What are you talking about? This is what the Holy Spirit is. This is what God promised. This was the prophecy. They begin to talk about what Jesus was about. The people closest to you, do they even know what you're about? If they took a little anonymous test, would they get your why? If they can't get your why, then maybe you don't talk about the most important things in your life enough. Maybe you've lit a candle and put a basket over it. Is my why identifiable and understandable? I'm about Jesus, not just because I'm a pastor. I'm about letting people know who God is. I'm about building his church. I'm about uh, being an amazing husband to my wife. I'm about raising children that understand God's passions and his purposes so that they can live out their purposes in his name. I'm about raising a healthy family, I'm about helping those who are downcast, I'm about helping lift up those people that are stuck in the clay, so to speak. But, but hopefully someone else could say that based on how I live, based on the works of my hands that are showing my intentions. Hopefully it doesn't take your death and your funeral for someone to be able to talk what you're about. I always think, man, uh, obviously, you know, based on what I do, I'm at a lot of funerals. I do a lot of funerals. I officiate a lot of funerals. And I oftentimes will step aside and let someone from the family or someone close come up and share about the person that's deceased. And the amazing things they say to that person, I always think, I hope you told them that while they were around. Maybe today you need to go tell somebody just what they mean to you while they're still with us. Number four, who we build with multiplies our effectiveness. Then they said, come let's. Who are the they's in your world telling you, come let's? Who are the people trying to multiply their efforts with you in their Sphere in their circle. I'm not telling you that you've got to cut off all your relationship with people that aren't running the same direction, but I would certainly give them the map of where you're headed and let them decide if they want to go with you. Yeah. Why? I remember when I was younger and I decided to go full on for God. I decided it was going to be more than just a Sunday morning thing. I wasn't going to wear my mask one day and then go back to act like I could fit in with them. I decided to start telling them, dude, I love you. We're friends, but where you're headed, the things that we used to do together, I don't do that anymore. So if you want to go see a movie, you want to go out to eat, that's, I'm good with that. Let's do it. I'm still here for you, but I'm not going there with them doing that. Why? Because who I build with, it multiplies my effectiveness. For the good or for the bad, those you build with will multiply your rewards. All these people were working together. They were all, think about the effort, the energy, the time, building these bricks and putting them to the fire and standing by the flames and getting ready and they're all building the tower all for naught because God was not going to bless it. The multiplied effect was disappointment, disorientation division when we build for the wrong reasons and multiply it by the effects of building with the wrong people you can find yourself facing off against the holy spirit that door that slammed in your face that was pride being tested that thing you thought you deserved and now you're acting like a baby because you didn't get it is proof of the growth you need God loves us enough to see us go through hard times he'll see us through the hard times but we've got a question where our blueprint's right to begin with did I ever bring my blueprints back to God's word to see if I could get some permits for what I'm trying to build or is he going to ask me to tear it down because it was not permissible who are we building with is a question You want to get really, really deep? Do I trust my people with power tools? The people closest to my life, do I trust them with the hardest things in my life? The darkest things that I'm trying to overcome, the struggles. If you're going to build something great, then you're going to need power tools. You're like, no, that person's just a screwdriver friend. Well, maybe they shouldn't be in your closest circle. Maybe you need some power tool friends in your closest circle so that you don't end up with a yurt or a teepee. Instead, you end up with a structure that can carry some weights and hold some generations. Church, are you getting this? my closest people understand my goals. Maybe that's a New Year's resolution for you. Maybe you've got to go and make sure the closest people understand the goals in your life so they can hold your feet to the fire when you want to run away, but yet, it's the very thing you need to walk over. Yeah. Number five, because I'm out of time, don't spend your life building what God won't bless. Don't spend your life building what God won't bless. What am I saying? Know before you go, present your blueprints. Your blueprints to God well what I, how do I present my blueprints to God look at, your, look at your goals in life and go and see what the scripture says about your goals are your intentions right are you living in a blessable way look we're far from perfect but one thing's for sure we should be getting closer to what we hope to be not where we came from we need to be dragging ourselves fight for that extra yard in your life so to speak Before you are years down the road with regrets, count the costs now. Make sure you are running and building with the right people for the right reasons. Make sure God's word promises blessing before you begin building. I'm gonna say it again. Make sure God's word promises blessing before you begin building. The history we read, because that's what this is, God's word is history. It's a sober reminder that God has goals for us. And as we begin our goals in this new year, make sure that our goals match the things that God intends for our life. God chooses to bless what's what's right. Someone's like, I want rice, it's lunch. God chooses to bless what's right and curse what he calls wrong. So rather than fighting against what he calls wrong, know what he calls wrong and just steer clear of it because he's not gonna bless it. Genesis eleven five. But the Lord came down and looked at the city and the tower the people were building, and he said, Look, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. What am I saying? Will the Holy Spirit multiply or scatter my efforts? These are questions. Inevitably, our life is about what we're building. Not just an estate or wealth, although that may be a byproduct of blessings. That can't be the why you started. So what is your why? Do your actions prove your cause? And is what you are building blessable? It's a lot of questions. But church, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? This is something that Only you and God can answer. Where do you stand with God? Because inevitably, when everything is said and done, when it's all, when all of this is behind us, when when the world comes to naught, when it's over, you're going to stand before God based on what you did, not what you mean, meant to do, or not meaning well. And that's not to scare you, but it's to stir you. God loved us so much, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to be able to be our ransom, to be our propitiation, to be our answer. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He fulfilled the Old Testament requirements. He fulfilled the law so that we could live under grace in His freedom through Christ Jesus. You may say, I don't, I don't feel good enough to be saved. You're not. That's why you had to be saved. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and we confess it with our lips, that we'll be saved. Today, I just want to offer you an opportunity, a promise that God gives us, not because of something I'm saying, but because of who God is and what he offers. Today, you can know where you stand with God. Today, you can ask for forgiveness. You can ask for him to come into your heart and help you live the life he created you for. The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. That means he had a passion and a purpose. When he sees you, he still has that passion and that purpose. And he wants to see your life mean something bigger, for more than just yourself. But it has to start with you, yourself, making a decision to say yes to Jesus. We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.